You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. It's the time of year when traditions come out and we get excited and nostalgic to celebrate with things that we've celebrated for years. What makes the traditions that we pass on worth passing on? Do we believe in them? Do we feel that sense of comfort and familiarity with them? We pass on the things that mean the most to us. If something isn't that important to us, we're going to have a hard time convincing others that it should be important to them as well. Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph passed on their faith to the next generation through blessings. They wouldn't have passed it on if it wasn't something that they believed in, though. What is it that you believe in and feel strongly about passing to the next generation? This is the time of year where uh, we pull out traditions and um, even the most like radical people and progressive people that I know at this time of year, they will get really nostalgic and will um, dig into things that they grew up with and, and they'll, they'll do, um, you know, lots of, lots of things that they've done for years. Um, I, I think about when, when Carrie and I first got married, we lived up north, and I had never grown up with uh, a real live Christmas tree, and so one of the things that I really desperately wanted was to get a Christmas tree, and y- you know, sometimes when you romanticize an idea, it's probably not a good idea, you know, because you've rom- romanticized this idea, and then the actual experience ends up being so much less than that picture in your mind. Maybe you get what I'm saying, but um, we went and like there were a couple tree farms and we're like, ah, it's too cold outside. We're not going to do that. And then we ended up, I think, at Home Depot getting a tree. Like that's how like deflated the experience was. And then after like two years of having a real tree, um, we realized that neither of our allergies were doing really well with that. So uh, we went back to uh, artificial trees again. But, but I wonder, like, what at this time of year when, when everyone's doing um, things that they've been raised with or, or trying to instill new traditions, what are some of those things that we do? Is it, um, you know, baking or decorating your house? You know, do people on your street call you Clark Griswold because you've decorated your house to the nines? Um, is it caroling? Is it going and cutting down your own tree? Um, whatever it is. M- some of my most vivid memories were growing up at this time of year. And I can close my eyes and, and a song can actually take me back to my living room with these nasty green carpets from you know the 70s. And, um, and my parents were so methodical about setting up. My, we had this tiny tree that was about like three feet tall that sat on a cedar chest upstairs and then this big tree downstairs. And I remember my mom and baking cookies and doing all kinds of things Um, And I loved some of those traditions. But, you know, I realized that as I grew up that some of those traditions were not necessarily the ones that I wanted to pass on. And and when Carrie and I moved here to Hanover County, uh, we realized, hey, there were some cool traditions here. I mean, nowhere else 
do I know that Santa rides on a fire truck uh, through neighborhoods? And, you know, that's what happens in our neighborhood. And, and decorating is fun, but when, you know, when your family's out of town and you're not really enjoying it um, as much because you're gone for a big portion of the time, uh, that doesn't always make sense either. Although my daughter would love us to have huge inflatable, uh, you know, decorations in the, in the front yard. You know, usually what we end up doing at this time of year is uh, we, you know, maybe make some popcorn and sit on the couch and either play games or we join the likes of Will Ferrell or uh, Jimmy Stewart, Charlie Brown or Chevy Chase and, and get into a good Christmas movie. You know, some of us are more passionate than others too about passing on traditions to the next generation. And I wonder... When it comes to our faith, how passionate are we about passing that on to the next generation? You know, some of us have really strong convictions about passing certain things at this time of year on to our kids. And if if they don't like it, then, you know, who knows what's going to happen in us. But are we as passionate about passing on our faith to the next generation? We've been looking at this idea of faith and the faith of the faithful for the last couple of weeks. And we're continuing to look at Hebrews chapter 11. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. We'll put it on the screen as well. I'm reading in the New International Version. Just looking at a few verses this morning starting in verse 20 of Hebrews chapter 11. We read this, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. You know, I think when we pass something on to someone else, it says a lot about not only what it is that we're passing on, but it says about our feelings towards that as well. Because it's really hard to pass something on if you don't believe in it, right? Like people can, can sniff that out in you. If, if they think that you're anything less than genuine in that, they're going to say, do you really believe in this? And you see that with kids sometimes. Carrie and I have often said that we will only share out, we will only support things that we believe in. And if we don't believe in something, it's really hard to pass that on. It's really hard to let others see that conviction in you. Jacob passed on blessings and he worshiped because he was convinced that the promise that his father had been given was something worth passing on. You know, Abraham, his father, uh, or had been given this promise by God and he passed it on to Isaac. Isaac passed it on to Jacob. Jacob passed it on to Joseph and on down the line. But why would they pass on these blessings if it was something that they didn't believe in? Would, would it really work for them if they said, hey, like here's something that I'm convinced of, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know? No, like they would not have gone well if they didn't really believe in it, but they believed in it. And when we think about this time of year, some of the things that we may feel like are, are so important to us may just kind of evoke a feeling or an emotion in us. They may be experiences and 
everyone's not built the same. So when we try to pass those on to kids, like there's nothing more frustrating than, than lifting up something in your, in your mind. And then when you bring your kids to experience it and they're like, oh, really? That's it? Like, oh, okay. And trying to show that excitement. The same thing happens with our faith. If, if we don't have an excitement about it, if we haven't really experienced something more than just an emotion or a feeling in us, then how convincing is that going to be for other people? You know, honestly, this is why I think it's so important in faith to have something outside of Sunday morning. Yeah, I think Sundays are important for us to come, to gather in community. But if, if all that we're passing on to the next generation is Sunday morning, that's not going to be convincing. The next generation's not going to say, oh yeah, I, I've carved out an hour of my week, that's it, and that's where my faith starts and that's where it stops. Like, that's not going to be convincing to anybody. And so, what are we doing the rest of the week? What are we doing? Remember, we've been saying all along through this series that faith is belief in action. That it's something with, it's belief with legs, with, with hands, with feet. And it moves. It doesn't just stand still. Faith is something that's constantly moving. Does a strong belief in something that we have automatically translate into a strong belief for our children or the next generation? Like just because we don't have children or don't have children in our homes doesn't mean that we have a pass because we're all influencing someone. And so is our faith that we're passing on to whoever it is that we're influencing, is it relegated to just a strong feeling or a strong belief? When our belief has movement behind it, when people can see that it's more than just rituals and beliefs, but conviction and action, it gets passed on even without trying. Now, I'm, I'm convinced of this, that, that if we really believe in something, it, it's not going to just come out in what we say. I mean, think about that. Think about some of the things that you really feel strongly about. It's not going to be just limited to words. Like, your actions are going to follow that. I mean, if there's ever a time that we've seen that in our lives and in our country, it's now that people have strong convictions, and it's more than just words, and it shows those convictions in people. But if these limited things, these things that, you know, are just fleeting moments passing are the only things for us, then... Is that really going to be something to translate, to transmit to other people? We need to be thoughtful about what we're trying to pass on to others, to those that we're discipling in faith. Experiences won't be easily translatable for us. So just because we've experienced something a certain way does not mean something else will have, or someone else will have a duplicate experience. And I've seen this countless times with people who say, this is the way that I experienced it, and so therefore everyone else in the world is going to experience it the exact same way. You know, in the work that I do with StrengthsFinders, I see this all the time, and I have to tell people over and over again, this is a lens through which you're looking, but don't automatically assume that everybody else around you is looking through that same lens. And that goes for faith as well. 
that when we think about our faith experience, we think about the things that happened. Yes, the truth is still there. The truth uh, is still important. But we also need to realize that people are going to come at that a very different way. And if we force people into that, that like mechanism of getting there the same way we did, then the, the chances of that sticking are probably very low. In verse 21 here, it says that, that Jacob, when he was dying, he, he blessed Joseph's sons. And if we go back, we've been doing this a lot, going back to, to Genesis and looking at um, a little deeper into these stories. If you, have, uh, if you want to turn over to Genesis 48, we'll put it up on the screen as well. But uh, verses 21 and 22, we, we see this Israel, who was that was Jacob's new name, said to Joseph, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. To give you, and to you I give one more ridge of land than to your brothers, the ridge I took from the Amorites with my sword and my bow. Now, jo- Joseph knew that his father was near death. And he decided that he was going to take his kids and, and bring them to his father so that his father could bless them and could give them this blessing and this word. Now, if, if somebody's near death and they're wanting to pass this on, then again, you've got to ask yourself, the question is, this must, is this really important to someone? In his book, The Language of God, Francis Collins, who I mentioned in our, when we kicked this series off, he, he talks about his conversion experience, working in a hospital in North Carolina. And he says that what struck him was what he encountered in so many people who were just in a bad place in their lives. This is what he said. He said, What struck me profoundly about my bedside conversations with these good North Carolina people was the spiritual aspect of what many of them were going through. I witnessed numerous cases of individuals whose faith provided them with a strong reassurance of ultimate peace, be it in this world or the next, despite terrible suffering that in most instances they'd done nothing to bring on themselves. You know, what was so compelling to Collins was that even in the most difficult moments, even in these moments where people were near death, they were still holding on to this hope, still holding on to this faith, not because it was nostalgic, not because um, it was something that they, you know, their parents had given to them, but something that they had really embraced You know, there's something to be said about passing on blessings to the next generation, to those that we disciple and train up in in the ways of Jesus. My my wife has an aunt um, who became a really good friend of mine even before uh, Carrie and I started dating and got married. And I remember her talking about how her grandfather, so my wife's great-grandfather, when he was getting ready to die, he did similar to what we see in Genesis and the author of Hebrews writing about, that he he called his children and his grandchildren around and he, he gave them a blessing. Would he have done that if he didn't really believe in the things that he was blessing them for? No, I don't think he would. I don't think that he would have said, hey, let me take some of my time because I know it's limited here and let me bring the family around. He didn't get selfish. 
He, he wanted to pass on to the next generation a blessing. You know, John Stott, who's an author and pastor and commentator, he, he says this. He says, In times of testing, we need not only the confidence which accepts what God has said, but the ability to remember what God can do. And you know, we have the promises of God written in the Bible, and those are important for us, but we also see the character of God in the pages of Scripture. We see who He is when we read the Bible. And it's not just knowing and believing and keeping those promises in our heads. It's also knowing and believing and keeping who God is in our heads. Because when difficult things happen... We need to hold on to some of those promises and even more so hold on to who God is. Do we know His character enough to say, yeah, I I trust that He has my best interest in mind, that that He isn't doing something because He's like, you know, the Greek and, and Roman gods that we read about in school who are just trying to like one up each other but because He really loves us. I said last week that a promise is only as good as the one who makes it. And I truly believe that. I also think that we need to think about the character of the people who make promises to us. And we also have to think about God's character when we consider His promises as well. Do we trust that He is who He says He is? And that he's capable of doing so much more than we can ask or think or imagine. That's where, again, I think it's so important for us to be in God's Word, to be reading about what God has done. Not so that it can be duplicated on us, but so that we can remember, here's what God is capable of. Here's what God can do. And when we're lacking hope and we're we're lacking um, encouragement, do we look at, Uh, these things and say God is capable of so much more you know this week as I was doing preparation for this I thought about the fact that when we say the word faith when we use the word faith it's always a noun I I have faith someone else has faith but in reality I think we need to to adopt a new practice of using it as a verb and to say, like, there are times in life that, that belief comes to an end, that, that I, I get to the end of everything in myself, and I'm, I'm not walking uh, in belief, but I'm faithing through something. Like, I'm a, I don't know if this is going to stick or not. You're all looking at me like I'm nuts, but it's okay. Um, but I, I'm really thinking that, hey, there are times, and maybe you haven't been there yet, but others of you, you're looking at me, you're like, I, amen, I, I hear you, I know what you're saying. Like, there are times that I'm going, man, I can't walk in this. I'm going to faith through this because it's so hard. And, and that's the only thing that I have left is faith in that moment. And so I'm faithing through this thing. And I'm going to say, hey, can I move through this in such a way that I've realized, like, everything in me, like, it can't help me. It can't propel me along anymore. And I'm faithing through it. You know, we see these generations here passing on the promise, the blessing, the faith to the next generation. Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. 
And in verse 22, by the time it gets to Joseph, if we follow the history of God's people, they, we see that in Joseph's time, they were exiles in Egypt. They, they had um, been put into slavery. And uh, in, in fact, there's a, a chilling verse um, in the Bible that says that a, a, a king grew up who neither knew uh, Joseph or the God who he had served. And that's my paraphrase. But, but the fact of the matter is that no longer were the people of God respected and they were exiled. But even in the midst of exile, Joseph knew that God was going to be true to his promises. And if we look in Genesis chapter 50, when Joseph dies, it says in verse 24 and 25, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and you must carry my bones up from this place you know the the writer of hebrews says that joseph told uh the next generation to carry his bones back to the promised land but but i think what we see in genesis chapter 50 is so important god will surely come to your aid it says that twice in those two verses. And if there's something that's repeated, it's like when your mom says something to you twice, right? You know, like there's something significant there. There's something important. If you say something twice to your kids, like it's important. And the Bible says there in Genesis 50, God will surely come to your aid. Are you feeling discouraged? God will surely come to your aid. Are you feeling abandoned? God will surely come to your aid. Are you feeling hopeless? God will surely come to your aid. Wherever it is, whatever it is that's going on in your life, hold on to that promise. And the one who makes that promise and the power of the one who makes that promise. God will surely come to your aid. Joseph had nothing else to go on other than God's promises. He had nothing else Remember, we said this a couple weeks ago too, right? There was no Jesus back then for them to see visually. Okay, like here's God's promise in flesh. They, they didn't have the whole of the Bible to go back and say, okay, I, I see God's promises. They were going on uh, what they knew from the past in hopes for what was coming in the future. And sometimes we need to faith through it. We need to just step into that. You know, something happened this week, and, and I love when this stuff happens because what it does is it excites me to the point of saying, like, I'm going to keep doing this. When, when I step out, when I'm faithing through something, uh, and I experience something, I'm like, okay, like, I can't take any credit. And something happened this week that was prime example of this. I... Uh, I've mentioned before that um, the branch is part of a network of, of other churches and occasionally we'll get together with others. I actually have a, a larger role within our network of churches overseeing other church plants as well. And so um, I went down on Friday to Myrtle Beach and met with some other uh pastors and church leaders to talk about what God might be doing down there. And one of the guys who I met there, who's a pastor down in Raleigh, he, um, 
he had come up to me in a meeting back in September that we were at, and he said, look, hey, our church, they, we want to bless you, and we want to uh, give the branch something that will help in what you're doing in your community. And he gave me a, a number figure, and he said, here's what we're going to do for you. And so I was like, all right, that's great. I, you know, right now, currently, we have uh, an adopt-a-child a, a thing going on where we're, we're hoping to bless these kids in the community um, who may not have uh, as much and may not have as many opportunities. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe we can filter some of what he's giving over to us and, and to these families. And so I was operating with a number figure in my mind. And then about a week or two ago, I get an email from you know one of the partners here at, at the branch who said, hey, um, we just got this email from one of our other community partners who's basically doing the same thing, and they've adopted a bunch of families. What do we do? And I was like, man, I have seen God work far too many times to get freaked out about this. And so I, I took a minute, and I prayed, and I wrote back an email. And there was nothing that I knew at that moment other than that this guy had promised me a certain amount of money. But when I wrote that email, I said to this community partner, I said, here's what my prayer is going to be. My prayer is going to be that God not only meet the needs of the families that we've adopted here, but meet the needs of your families as well. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to faith through it here. And I'm going to say, Hey, this is what God's going to do. The moment that I walked out onto the sunny streets of Myrtle beach on, on Friday morning, that pastor came up to me and he handed me an envelope and he said, I want you to open that envelope. And I opened the envelope and what was in that envelope? It wasn't the amount that he had told me. It wasn't even twice the amount he had told me. It was three times the amount that he had told me. And I said, yeah, go ahead. That ain't for me. That's for him. Like, and I thought to myself, I did not know anything when I wrote that email to that community partner. But man, I was really quick to send another email that afternoon and say, can I tell you how good my God is? Can I, can I tell you what he's done in the midst of this? And the more that we do that, the more we faith through things. Hey, life is hard. Like sometimes life sucks. It's difficult. Like just ask each other in the midst of this. We've got friends. We've got family who've been given difficult diagnoses. We've got people who are on the brink of death. It's hard to be encouraged. But God, that doesn't change who God is. That doesn't change that God is real, that God is powerful, that God can make promises. And you know what? That promise, that excitement, that wasn't about me because I didn't do any of it. I'm just along for the ride. That's all about who God is and what he can do. And I really encourage you, I challenge you even, to just step out, faith a little bit, and say, hey, I want to see you do this, God. I want to see you do something that nobody else can take credit for. That nobody else can say, oh, look what I did. I did that. It is exciting for me to see that and to be a part of it. All I knew was that God's promises are true and that he would surely come to our aid and that he's powerful enough to do anything that we could ask or think 
or imagine. So what do we do with all this? The first question I think to ask is, what is it that we're passing on? You know, especially at this time of year, think about some of the, the convictions that we have. I'm not saying that you know, legendary Santa's bad or chopping down Christmas trees are bad or any of that stuff is bad. What I'm saying is, are those things elevated above our faith? Are those things more important? Are, is it more important that we pass some of those things on than that we pass this on? Second question to ask yourself, and I'm going to make you learn this word whether you want to or not. What do we need to faith through in this? Like, what do we need to press into where you're like, man, I'm stepping out and there better be something there that I'm going to land on. And if you're not feeling it, like, then you're probably not trying hard enough. He said this last week that, like, when you go to the gym, like, you got to work your, your muscles. And if you're not hurting by the time you leave the gym, then you're not working hard enough. And the same goes for the muscle of faith. That if it doesn't hurt a little bit, when, when you get finished, then you're probably not working hard enough. You probably got to faith a little bit harder. And then, remember this. Amen. There we go. Reflection on God's promise leads to faith, which leads to hope. Reflection on God's promise leads to faith, which leads to hope. You know, we talk at this time of year during Advent about love and joy and peace and hope. Those aren't just pretty words that we put up as decorations in our house at Christmas time. Are they things that we really believe in? And when we reflect on God's promises, that leads us to this faith and it leads us to this hope that something way more substantial than decorations, than cookies, than Christmas music, than any of that stuff. Again, don't get me wrong. Like, I love that. I got my Christmas records in my office right now. I was spinning uh, Johnny Mathis earlier. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But God is way bigger than Johnny Mathis, right? Do we believe that? And is that what we're passing on to the next generation? Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you for the ways that you work. Thank you for showing us amazing things. And God, I pray that each and every person, not just in this room, but but watching this after the fact, listening to this after the fact online, that God, we would faith through some of the things that are before us. That we would come to this place where like, I don't know anything other than who you are, what you've promised, and what you're capable of. And so God, may we trust you. May we put our faith in you knowing what you can do. Not knowing what we can do, but knowing what you can do. So God, help us to faith through things. May we trust that the Lord will come to our aid and deliver us. So God, show us, give us that faith that we need to step out. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God will surely come to your aid. Is that something that we believe? Do we believe it strongly enough that we'll pass it on to those who come after us? If not, what do we need to do to make it a conviction, to trust, to faith it out? I hope you'll consider these things in the days ahead. 
Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.